0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to episode 23. Today, I welcome my guest, Andy Murphy of the Secure Dad. Andy runs another similar type of podcast as I do, of similar subject matter, I should say. And today, we're going to be talking about how it is we can help people begin to take more of an investment and responsibility in their personal safety so that they're better able to avoid bad situations should they occur and be better prepared in general. And most importantly, we're going to discuss some ways that they can start easing into the subject matter without going crazy with it. So with that, I want to welcome Andy. Hey, Andy, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Jim. I appreciate the opportunity to be here to talk to you, to hopefully learn from each other, and hopefully bring some value to your listeners.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate you jumping on here and doing this with us uh, today. I think this topic will be great. And, you know, um, just kind of give the folks a little bit of background. You know, I saw your post on uh, Instagram, I think, about uh, getting together and possibly doing something. And I was like, you know, there's an opportunity there because you'd mentioned family safety. And that's right in line with what we're trying to talk about, at least in part. And uh, I think we're on the same page, too, philosophically, that we're responsible for our personal safety and those of our loved ones. So uh, I was excited to have the opportunity to do this. And, you know, we talked about doing, uh, or you talked about doing family safety to start with, and then it kind of evolved into this, you know, why do people, why are people hesitant to think about personal safety and, uh, talk about bad things that can happen and be better prepared and all of that stuff. And I it was funny that you had brought that up because I think as we exchanged in emails together, I said, that's so funny you say that because I just wrote this <laughs> note down, this question down for myself the night before. And it was, how do we start getting people interested in their own safety and following just basic you know, procedure, if you will, t- so they can better learn to better avoid bad situations and just be better prepared across the board.
1: Right. And it's, um, you know, that's, it's, it's great to talk about family safety because there's a lot of people out there who are like, you know, I know I should probably do better with what I'm doing. Yeah. And there's people out there who are like hyper vigilant to the point that it is, uh, it actually takes away sure. from what they're doing. Yeah. So, you know, it's and, and you know, with the advent of the Internet and podcasting, now people can listen to the self-initiative project. They can listen to the Secured Ad podcast. And hopefully we can be the calm voices that says, OK, start here and then just kind of work your way forward and move through at your own pace. Yeah. Um, so.
0: Yeah, and you don't have to go to your point. You don't have to go to the extreme where it's, you know, overbearing and a burden. Uh, Just get started. Just start thinking about things. Uh, Before we jump in, yeah, uh, before we jump in a deep dive, kind of backing up here a little bit, I want you to tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, your background, who you are, what you do, how you got into all this yourself.
1: Sure. Well, um, this all started, Secure Dad started way back in actually 1999. And that was the day I realized that my personal safety was my own responsibility. And we'll talk more about that later. But fast forward to 2016, I have been practicing situational awareness for uh, probably 16, 17 years at that point. And I decided to start a personal blog about what I was doing and my mindset and how, you know, I know there were other people out there who were probably thinking the same thing. So um, I wrote 100 articles for thesecuredad.com. It picked up a lot of momentum. I had readers coming to me and friends coming to me saying, hey, you need to start a podcast. I was like, okay, that sounds great. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) So I uh, going away from that, and I wrote a book called Home Security The Secure Dad's Guide, available on Amazon. It reached uh, number one bestseller status on Amazon uh, in 2018, 2019. And even again, uh, here in January of 2020. That's awesome. So I've been blown away by the success of that. And then it was like, okay, now I'll listen to you guys and I'll I'll do a podcast. And um, it has it has been one of the greatest things I've done. I love podcasting. Yeah. I love getting to talk to people like yourself, um, having listeners respond, and being able to change it up uh, with, with each episode to be able to adapt to the way I see trends in family protection and home security. And just in uh, fatherhood in general, that's something that I like to talk about too. You know, we can talk about family protection, but sure. we also need to talk about what makes family great, and it's those relationships.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I want to compliment on you on your podcast and what you're doing there too. Again, I think uh, for me, uh, I found alignment just in your. It seems like your general philosophy of responsibility. And, you know, I want to comment, too, and you made a great point, I think, on one of your more recent podcasts, if not your last one, about, you know, people have a lot of listening choices out here in podcast land. And for them to take time out to listen to something that might make them think about things they never had before, get them outside their comfort zone, or maybe even, I don't want to ever scare anybody, but just make them think about things that perhaps they hadn't thought about a whole lot, you know, they could be listening to comedy or music or any other assortment of things, but for them to dial into the likes of you and I and listen to the types of topics that we're trying to cover and get out there to them, I I, I, uh, I couldn't agree more that that's a big start, uh, big step, and I want to thank people for doing that, too.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and, and I appreciate uh, your kind words there, but, you know, our listeners, your listeners, my listeners, they're brave they are they're the ones who are saying you know what there's something else i need to know there's something else i need to do where do i go to find that and thankfully um they're they're listening to us and hopefully taking into account what we're saying it's it's ultimately you know it's their decision it's it's up to your listeners what they decide to do and what they don't you and i are not you know fire and brimstone telling you you've got to do it this way <laughs> we're just offering and you know we're we're not offering advice we're offering information for you to make a good decision from.
0: Yeah. I've said it a few times over the short time that I've been doing the podcast now. And you know, that's, uh, I can't necessarily teach you anything, but I hope I can make you think about something you haven't before. And across the podcast, hopefully folks are able to take away one nugget of information that maybe certainly maybe makes them think about things, but, hopefully even more so makes them take action on it. And, and that's, that's a good thing because hopefully it's just going to make them safer and things better for them themselves and their loved ones.
1: Yeah. That's a great approach. Very smart.
0: So yeah, you know, on this topic of, uh, you know, how, how do we get people to get more interested? You know, I was just visiting a friend. I was up in Maine for the first time in my life this past weekend and, met a friend mm-hmm. up there from high school and they don't even lock the doors on their house. Now, oh my goodness. I, I haven't lived like that <laughs> since I was a kid and I won't tell you how long ago that was, but um, <laughs> you know, long gone, suffice it to say long gone are the days of uh, leaving your doors unlocked and your screen doors open and whatever else, you know, and, and, you know, admittedly I think that's part of the issue too, is they live out where there's probably not a lot of crime f- neighbors are all friendly but still you know it's like that's just fundamental 101 on in my mind but in their mind Absolutely. they don't they don't think about it right they don't and they figure they're safe and the chances are slim so you know why is it that people don't think about those sorts of things
1: Well you know we kind of touched on it a minute ago uh, it's scary yeah. you know we don't want to think about what bad things could happen to us, you know, we have, um, and I think also, and this is something that I'm coming to understand a little bit better. I think I've always known it, but I'm actually really starting to explore it is that as humble as we may be, everybody has an ego and we always want to think that we're doing the right thing. What we believe is right. It's called confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, so we all think that, Hey, I'm a good person. Why would anybody want to hurt me? Why would anybody want to come to my house? You know, I haven't done anything to anybody. I live by the golden rule. So I'm going to treat everybody like I want to be treated. So therefore, I am safe. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just not the way that the world works. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought about your friends up there in Maine who don't lock the door. And I think, <laughs> well, that's great. Until there's a manhunt and the guy is on the loose. He sees a house out in the middle of nowhere. And he decides to go try the doorknob and then all sorts of trouble breaks in, you know. Um, so there's just so many things that we in our world uh, can't predict. And we can't really fully know what's going to happen to us from day to day. So we have to take some precautions about what we're going to do, how we're going to make ourselves safe. And something as simple as locking the front door, like who cares if you do it, you know, the only person that's going to know is the person who tried to barge in your front door. Right. They're like, Oh my gosh, your door's locked. Well, yeah, my door is locked. You know, I used to, well, I was, I was in college and a lot of my friends there were, it was their first time really away from home and I was living in an apartment and um, it was a, it was a duplex. So, and it was on a cul-de-sac and there was, no you know real foot traffic and people were surprised that i would lock my door excuse me i lock my car doors at night and i'm like well why would i mean i want my car to be here in the morning <laughs> why would when not? i come
2: back <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah and and the irony there was on that quiet little cul-de-sac um we had a drug dealer and a prostitute move in
2: mm. and
1: i moved out shortly thereafter yeah and i'm like well these are the reasons why I keep my doors locked on my apartment and my car because you never know who's going to approach your home when you're, when you least expect
0: it. You don't. And, you know, talking about cars and unlocked car doors, you know, I had the opportunity uh, last year to do a couple of ride alongs with a local uh, county municipality here, um, law enforcement. And uh, it was a fantastic experience. I wound up doing two 12 hour shifts with a, uh, the guys, and it was it was an honor and a privilege to do that. But you know, in every single instance of an issue with a car, do you know one the one common thread that all those cars had in common out there?
2: What's that?
0: The doors were left unlocked in every mm-hmm. single instance. I thought that was really interesting because I can't even fathom doing that, right? But it is a common thing. Right. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think the ego kind of keeps us, uh, unfortunately in this regard in check too, too much. Right. And then I think, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it won't happen to me or that's why I moved here. I'm in a safe place. You know, It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, it can't happen here because I made it a point to go where I thought or knew it was safe or heard it was safe. And, you know, fortunately, crimes, crimes against people whether again, you know it's uh, it's uh, you know property or body, whatever uh, crimes, um, they're they're rare, right? If they were a lot more
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know prevalent, we'd really be in trouble right? And then perhaps more people would be more vigilant in that case. But fortunately, they're not. but because they are generally low in the overall scheme of things, I think people think, eh, I'm not going to sweat it too much. The 0.04% chance of something happening here at my house or wherever it is is pretty slim. And then, you know, I, I guess my cynical side uh, says that I honestly think a lot of it's apathy. Either, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. so, you know, I thought about the answer to my question, right? How do we get people interested? And my response was, you know, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, talking about the apathy that I, I think some folks have, certainly. So I know that um, you had mentioned we'd gone back and forth in email a little bit. And I know you had mentioned uh, the things that had triggered you to start thinking differently, to start giving some credence to, hey, this this could be possible. And am I prepared for it? And what would I do if so? Can you talk a little bit about the thing? Because I, I wrote out my list of things I'm pretty sure influenced me over my life to start thinking more uh, about my personal safety and home security and family safety. Talk about yours.
1: Sure. Um, you know, there is a lot of things. You know, our, our life is a collection of experiences. And I was actually, you know, a pretty uh, reserved person Um not letting people get, you know, too close to me, you know, physically, um, because I realized, you know, that's when, you know, through within arm's reach of someone, uh, then that they can hurt you like that. So I would only stand close to people that I trusted, things like that. You know, my parents were very, you know, safe-minded people. You know, my dad was always like, Hey, we got to put on light timers when we go on vacation. My mom was always a very good it still is a very good judge of character when I was growing up, and she and they imparted those lessons to me. But everything really came together on April twenty first, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, the day before, uh, some guys decided to attack their own high school hmm. out in Colorado, and the tragedy at Columbine High School, yeah, uh, is what actually woke me up. And I'll date myself here in the fact that I was also in high school in 1999 Mm. and i we went to school the next day and this is all we talked about like we didn't we didn't learn we didn't do anything and each of the classes that we went to you know the teacher pretty much just said okay how you guys doing and people would just start talking and in a in a sense kind of like after 9-11 there was this sense of community there um and actually where i was in high school at the time in that community there had been a school shooting at an elementary school Mm. so in a lot of ways this was just bringing up bad memories for some people but i remember sitting you know i remember exactly sitting where i was uh, in my homeroom class and i looked across the room and i thought you know if one of my classmates over there pulls a gun out of his book bag and starts shooting yeah my school resource officer is not going to get here in time to save me Right. So what do I do? Yeah. Um, And so that was this big moment of, wait a minute.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, police do not just appear out of thin air. No. You know, they they are human beings. They have other calls that they're working on. They are you know, a physical distance away from you. And as much as we need the police and they will respond when we, when we call them, we've got to survive to the point that we can call them. You know, we've got to, we've got to be able to, to be able to look this uncomfortable fear in the eyes and realize I can be the victim of a crime. Something bad can happen to me. And that was where I started to develop situational awareness before I even knew what the term was. I just started to think, okay, I'm walking into this room. I'm walking into this building. I'm walking into my church. If something goes wrong, where do I go? Yeah. And can I grab somebody on the way out? And that's where it started. Um, so that's kind of where where things came together for me. And it's been every day since then, it's been what do I need to do to make sure that I'm safe and I got married? And then it's what is it that I need to do to make sure that myself and my wife is safe? And then we have a kid and it's like, OK, what do I need to do to make sure that all three of us are safe? And so it's just grown from there. And it's become now just a part of who I am. It's second nature to
0: me. It's just second nature now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, out of that tragedy that happened in Columbine, I, I, I have to believe that you're not the only one who kind of had their eyes opened, if you will. And so, you know, out of that tragedy, I hope that more good, like for you came out of it. And I'm sure it did. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a pretty big, ginormous event to have to happen to get folks to, think more about stuff like that but um that's that's the good takeaway there yeah for me it was a i didn't i I don't have that massive event right i think the biggest thing um i think the biggest event in my life when i was growing up was probably the space shuttle blowing up right Um, that was, that was a pretty big deal, but unrelated. I didn't have, I didn't have, uh, you didn't hear a lot about active shooter, active killer scenarios back in the day, even though I'm, I know they were going on here and there, but for me, it was kind of a combination of things. I think that over time, and I guess it had been in the last, uh, What now? Eleven years that it's really sunk in and I really take things completely different than I once did. But over my life, you know, I grew up in what I grew up on the uh, southwest side of Atlanta. And so my part Mm -hmm. of my part of town was kind of questionable, at least at times. Um, in sure. in uh, middle school, I was bullied, uh, not severely, but, you know, I got beat up in the boys room and had to go through all of that experience. And then, you know, growing up when I was really young, we were actually burglarized at least two times that I would remember, if not three, talking about the doors being open in the house. Right. It just was a lot easier right, because right. nobody was thinking that way. And, you know, the day that my dad. Decided to put the first security system in our house. Suddenly, those those things stopped, right, and uh, detoured right. detoured any further things. But those things happening early on in life, where I grew up, getting bullied, burglarized, I think that kind of set things in motion. Because growing up where I did uh, certainly gave me some street smarts. Some, uh, I still to this day I credit. Uh, how I grew up, where I grew up, the things that happened to me is giving me my street smarts. But then uh, later in the mid nineties, I started doing uh, martial arts and that's really Mm -hmm. where things started to click. And I, I trained in a more traditional Korean style of martial art, but you know, it was starting to cause light bulbs further, more light bulbs, you know, to fire off in my head about how I should be approaching things and thinking about things and being prepared, and then uh, after that, um, about twelve years ago, I discovered Krav Maga and moved into that. Mm-hmm. You know, more mm-hmm. standard self, street self defense, straight up. You know, not so much, uh, not so much uh, an art, more martial than anything, as it was described to me in the early days. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. I became a Krav instructor, which, you know, kind of, I was already thinking that way, but now I've got students that I'm trying to disseminate, you know, not just physical skill to, but also knowledge of how things may occur for them. And, you know, it made me think even more, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. part of my growing up, To your point, you know, my parents were good about setting the light timers and uh, locking the doors. Even when we were home, it got to that point, right? Because over time, things uh, evolved or devolved where we lived right to the point where we had to start doing more of those sorts of things. And then in the right. last 10 years or so, you know, I've taken it upon myself to watch an awful lot of fights and attacks on security video. You know, you can go out, right. YouTube, Live Leak, whatever. And if you want to see this horrific stuff, it's there. And it's not about scaring yourself, but it's about understanding mm-hmm. things that can happen, that they're not as they're portrayed in the movies or even sometimes in as they're taught in your martial arts classes or self defense classes and that mm-hmm. they can be, you know, everything you imagined and then some. So all of those things are kind of the things that culminated to uh, get me to the point there I am now where I think more this way. Yeah. So what, what do you think folks can do or should do to help make them start thinking better this way because they're not necessarily going to have the same life events you know you 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 had the columbine event at an age that was you know pretty tender still for you right experience that i had all the things that kind of initiated mine but not everybody's going to have those experiences so what can they do what should they do to make themselves start thinking more like this like we do
1: Right. You know, I think for, you know, everybody is unique. Um, so they're going to they're going to come at this their own way. I think everybody needs to know and I think everybody does understand, you know, bad things do happen. Uh, but, you know, it may be denial. It may be apathy, like you said, uh, that keeps them from really embracing it. So I think we need to share with folks, OK, hey, you know, when you're going from your car to the store, make sure you're not looking, you know, down into your phone simple. You know, when you go home at night, make sure your doors are locked. Well, you know, that's easy. You know, when you go on vacation, make sure you're not live streaming, you know, where you are so that somebody can pick up on the fact that your home is empty and they can go and break into it. And I think people will, you know, we need to just arm people with that basic understanding. But people are not going to fully embrace it until they have, that wake-up call like you were in martial arts realizing oh wait a minute you know things are different or for me at columbine where oh wait a minute i could definitely be affected by this i think for some people it can be you know something happens to a friend or it's going to be something that it happens in a place that they frequent you know somebody you know gets mugged in the parking garage where you park every day and that's their wake-up call you know I think we just need to make sure that the people that we care about know what to do, Yeah, you know, generally tell them, okay, this is how you're safe. Obviously, you know, you are being an instructor, you can tell people what to do. So hopefully in that minute when the panic sets in and we forget everything that we know, um, that they'll have something that they can fall back on that will hopefully save their lives or get them out of a situation. But honestly, until people choose to fully embrace a secure mindset, all we can do is, is be there for them and tell them these simple things, this foundation, the building blocks for a more secure life. Um, my my personal slant on it is, you know, even to, the, to this point of this, a lot of people I care about who are still kind of apathetic to this. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I listened to your podcast. And I, you know, I read your book and I'm like, hey, that's great. So what are you doing about it? Well, my neighborhood is nice. And I'm like, and it yeah. just goes,
0: I'm in a gated Tied community a downhill from there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I live in a yeah gated community. I'm like, okay, really? Well, you know, what's your, your teenage neighbor doing after school? Is he getting high and going around and beating up mailboxes? You know, there's always something.
0: Or all the lawn care um, crews that come through said gates. Right.
1: Right. Right. Or, you know, you know what, man, you, you say that my neighbor as <laughs> as we speak right now is having his roof replaced yeah, and I walked out yesterday, and I looked at the crew, and all. Um, there's nothing nothing suspicious about these guys, but I'm like, man, this is a great vantage point to study over the next two to three days how this neighborhood works. Because <laughs> yeah. you're up on the roof, nobody's really looking at you, nobody's paying attention. Um, that's a great vantage point for someone to be able to learn who's home and who's not. So, yeah, it's uh, you know there 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 is always something, but un- until people get it, they're not going to get it. Uh, That's a very, very random thing to say. Um, So we just got to hope for the people that we care about that when they do have that moment, they do have that epiphany that they're safe and that they will come to us for guidance on what they need to do next.
0: Information. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, as I was trying to figure out a answer, an easy answer to that question and I'm, and I'm kind of like you there's not one, right? I I, I would hate right. I hate course. to Yeah, you know, I I hate to say that it's going to take something bad happening to folks to get them to wake up, right? To become woke or more right. woke around the personal safety thing. I I agree mm-hmm. that that can certainly be a trigger. My thought was just dare to start thinking about it a little bit, right? What have I done? What, you know, do I really need to lock the doors? Okay, maybe I should lock the doors because you know what's interesting? My friend up in Maine, um, they actually, before I left uh, Sunday afternoon, they started locking their doors, (laughs) at least some of the time. Very good. Some of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, And the good news is when their children are home, their children are fairly vigilant about locking the door, evidently. So that's good, too. But I think if people just start thinking, and maybe it takes folks like you and me and others um, to trigger some of those thoughts in the topics that we talk about and cover, like this one here today, hopefully this one here today. If nothing else we talk about makes people think more about it and go, aha, what am I doing or not doing? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the thoughts that should, um, maybe wake some folks up is I listened to your podcast with Tony Blauer, uh, no fear K N O W. Yeah. And I thought mm-hmm. that was an outstanding podcast. And my, well, thank you. my biggest takeaway is something he said, and I'm, I'm not going to get the quote exactly right. Cause I didn't memorize it, mm-hmm. but I, this is the general spirit. And it really resonated with me as to, aha, if people would just think this one statement that he made, I think it could change things for him. He said, protecting your family is the most important skill you can possess. And I'm, and, yeah. you know, I'm going to give Tony Blower credit for that because that's what he said. And I think he said it a couple of times during that podcast. Uh, yes, protecting your family is the most important skill you can possess Uh, Mm -hmm. and i think that is potentially a game changer if people just think about that what are they doing to protect their children what are they doing to protect their loved ones what are they doing what are they telling their kids to know to do uh when they're home alone and the parents aren't home because there are scenarios like that gets to a point where your kids in middle school or high school and they're home alone do they know what to do do they know to keep the doors right. locked? Do they know to keep the garage door down? Do they know how to get to You know, the phone to dial nine one one. So I, you know, I thought that was brilliant.
1: Yeah, and if you think about, he he talked a little bit about the the evolution of our society as well, and he has another stuff too. Yeah, you know, let's go back to when we humanity was hunter gatherers. There were people who had specific jobs. It was the parents' job to make sure that the next generation survived to be able to keep the species going, you know? It was up to the adults to raise the kids to make sure, not necessarily that they had polite manners or that they would go off to caveman college or whatever, but it was you need to just live. It's my job to make sure that you have food and shelter and that you survive to be able to to be old enough to become a parent yourself. And I think in a lot of ways we have lived in you know, a world where we don't necessarily have to worry about being eaten by a saber toothed tiger. So we think that all the predators are gone. Yeah. And they're not. The the biggest predator to humanity is humanity. Sure. It's us. Yeah. It's it's the guy who just got fired uh, from your office is gonna go, you know, come back and you know like your building on fire. Right. It's, it's the it's the creepy guy down the street who's trying to cozy up to your kids because he's a pedophile and we don't know that yet.
2: Yeah. It's,
1: you know, all these things, all these threats still exist. They've just evolved to look differently. And they now, instead of blending into the forest or the jungle scape, they blend into our neighborhood. They blend, they they blend in with us. Stores. Yeah. Yeah. And so the threats are different. But they're still there, and I think that's what Tony was talking about. Is we as parents have got to absolutely make sure that our kids, our families, are safe, and ourselves are safe too. It's a lot of times that I think people miss that point. You know, you know, Jim, you and I have to make sure that we're safe. And I think Tony brought this up too in the interview. Like we're, you know, we don't have bodyguards. Right. We are our own bodyguards. We are VIPs to our families. We are VIPs to our friends uh, and to our to our coworkers. So we got to make sure that we are safe too. But yeah, absolutely, making sure that we're safe is paramount, um, and then making sure that everybody's fed and they have clothes and that they have what they need. You know, they may not have the the best shoes in the world, or you know, the best clothes. Or they, you know, we can't buy a Porsche for or, you know each one of our children but we're making sure that they're safe, and and that's the important thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I had uh, a note here because I wanted to talk about it, and, uh, again, you've kind of touched upon it uh, throughout our conversation here uh, during this podcast, but uh, in addition to just starting to think about things to expand upon that further, one of the other things I thought that uh, folks could start doing to make light bulbs go off for themselves. And again, you've covered multiple uh, scenarios in our, in our discussion today, just as examples is to start thinking through scenarios of what if, okay, I'm I'm sitting Mm -hmm. in my chair at night watching a movie. My family's on the couch watching a movie, whatever. And, and not again, not that the chances are that great, but someone kicks in my front door. What do I do? Am Mm -hmm. I prepared for that? Oh, I'm not prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Ooh, maybe I should think on that a little bit more. Or I'm walking into the gas station to pay for my gas, even though that's rare these days, but whatever it is, I go in to get a drink and I see something unfolding, like something suspicious going on at the counter. You know, if I'm paying attention, uh, maybe the guy Mm -hmm. has blatantly has a gun pulled out. You know, create whatever scenarios that you think are possible because there's a lot of them, right? And then think, what Uh what would I do? What could I do? Right? And that should set off all kinds of, again, uh, light bulbs in one's head to get them to think more about that. And then hopefully uh, open up their curiosity to go and find out more, right? And learn more and hopefully look to podcasts or other forms of information like yours and mine to get more information and educate themselves because i think that's part of it too a lot of people just don't know
1: right yeah they don't know where to look they don't know where to go and um you know sometimes you can land on something on youtube and it's good advice sometimes it's not well, sometimes and i always not. advocate <laughs> yeah most of, not, most of the time, not but you know i always advocate for you know folks like you know, through the, you know, through the book, through the podcast, I can talk to you about mindset. And I can talk to you about some tactics to do, but I encourage people to go find instructors like yourself who will actually physically show you what to do. I can't do that through a podcast. You've got to step into a dojo. You've got to put your bare feet on the mat to right. be able to do those sort of things. And I've done it. And it's it's a humbling experience when it you is. pay somebody to punch you in the face. You learn a whole lot differently. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: that's a whole lot. That's a whole lot of different learning than you get on a podcast or that you get, you know, uh, from reading a book. You know, when it's actually happening to you.
2: Yeah,
1: that when you get that fear spike and when you when your heart starts racing and all that's just that's learning on a different level that's and that's another thing.
0: Yeah,
1: right. You know, and you've got to be brave to walk in, you know, to the classroom to go, to go meet you, to shake your hand and say, admit, I don't know what to do here, especially for guys. That's real hard for us. Yeah. You know, in your experience, have you had a student who walked in, who was very timid, who walked out a warrior? Is there somebody like that that you've trained?
0: Um, you know, I, I, of course I won't mention names or anything. I, Sure. Yeah. Um, I can recall a couple of uh, ladies over time coming through that had uh, made the bold decision to come to class, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you listen to this one, but I was talking to Ryan Hoover, who's fairly well known in the Krav Maga community.
2: Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mm
0: -hmm. it's when you get to the when you get to the point where you're ready for physical training, which is a whole new level of things, to your point, it's scary and it's really going to get you outside your comfort zone. But you need to be prepared for that, because getting outside your comfort zone is where growth occurs. But, you know, Ryan was saying, and I completely agree before they even come to your school to learn how, you know, to learn something, to train physically. They've already taken Uh a lot of bold steps because they've been on your website several times. They may even called your school a couple of times if you have a physical location that, you know, uh, people are coming to. Whatever it is, they've already taken a lot of steps outside their normal routine, right, to make the decision Uh to get to you. So they're already at that point when they walk through your front doors. Um, And if you take someone that's had a a tragedy happen to them, or they'd say they had an abusive relationship with a boyfriend or a husband or whoever it might be, uh, they come Mm -hmm. in. um, They've gone through a lot to get there. And so I've had um, a couple of ladies probably over time, that I know, I don't know specifics, but I know they've been through things. Um, and right. the the great thing about uh, teaching someone self-defense is to see them transform and have more confidence and to get them to a point where they feel... Uh, not just more confident about handling scenarios, but they have confidence in in themselves over again. You know, so there's been a couple of times where I've watched that. You know, to be a warrior, I think it takes more time than just coming to one uh, self defense oh, seminar or something like that. Absolutely. You know, and that's kind of the that's kind of the fallacy too in training is that. Um, Seminars are kind of like, yeah, if you come for two hours, you'll know what you need to know to your fend yourself. Well, you'll start to learn. But the idea is that hopefully that causes light bulbs to go off, too, to get you to understand you need to come back. And I know I'm kind of Mm -hmm. deviating off of your question. But, yes, there's been a couple of uh, people that have come through that I've watched transform, you know, real mousy on Mm -hmm. the pads when they're striking in the beginning. And before it's over with, mm-hmm. they're kneeing and elbowing and punching harder than some of the guys in class, right? And that's that's great right. to see.
1: And that's awesome. You know, I'll I'll share a story uh, from my training, and and you being an instructor, you will uh, you'll enjoy this. Um, I shared this on the podcast before, but um, there was this time where uh, I was learning how to get out of the two handed choke. Yeah. And uh, we had gone over, you know, repetition. We'd done it a bunch of times. My instructor was very good about, uh, you know, walking me through every step, what I needed to do and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we're on the mat. We're by ourselves. It's a one on one class. And so um, he's like, OK, got to stand in a passive stance because you're not going to be on guard nope. everywhere you go. Yeah. Nope. OK, great. So as soon as he took a step towards me, I would base out. Yeah, just very casually. Like I was being sneaky or something. uh, He's like, no, you can't do that. You have to be standing passive. I was like, and I said, I said, Jim, I said, I don't let people get that close to me. Right. And so a light goes off (laughs) in my instructor's brain. And he's like, okay. He's like, yes, you do. You do all the time. And I'm like, well, he's like, you can't control how close people get to you in public. It's like, here, let's do this like, you walk this way towards me. I'll walk this way. We're on the street. Okay. I was like, all right, sure. So I go walking down the street. I'm so into this scenario. (laughs) My instructor looks right at me. He makes good eye contact. And he's like, Hey, what's up, man? And me being polite. I'm like, Hey, the next thing I know, his hands are around my throat. I am facing the opposite direction. And all I can see are his angry eyes and big teeth. And my thought is, (laughs) How on earth did this happen?
2: Yeah,
1: I just learned how to get out of a two-handed choke. I'm not getting out of it yet because my brain is still reeling from, wait a minute, how did all this happen? Yeah. So I think like the biggest, and, and I was able to, you know, get it going and I executed the move and I got out of it and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But I think that was probably the most valuable lesson that I learned was that, you know, people get too close. I can't let my ego think that I'm always going to be ready you know because random things will happen but yeah it was just this moment of oh I know that I don't let people get close to me and my uh, my instructor very much put me in my place on that one which I which I appreciate now
0: yeah no you know it's not until you walk through some of those scenarios in a physical sense that you begin to understand what's going on the timing of things right how long it right. takes you to recognize a threat once a threat has been identified, you know, once you identify a threat and something happens, how long it takes your brain to respond to that stimulus. Right. And I know Blower and mm-hmm. a lot of other instructors talk about that very thing. So, you know, kind of circling back to where we were, what we started to, talking on, you know, before you even decide to take physical training, which I think everyone should know how to do some things. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that you can be doing before that point because when when it gets to the point where you need to respond physically, either empty handed or, you know, it goes to, you know, a a tool, whether that be a knife or gun mm-hmm. or whatever else, stick, baseball bat, beer bottle, whatever you're nearby, right? there's a lot of things that have gone wrong to get to that point, Absolutely. right? Now, someone Absolutely. may have a plan and have their eye on you from across the parking lot or something, and, you know, again, you're caught off guard, right, to your point, but there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that you need to be thinking about and doing, even if, even sans physical training, right? And some of those things that mm-hmm. I know you're, you harp on a lot and I do too is situational awareness and avoidance, mindset, mm-hmm. you know, thinking more safety consciously, right? That's a huge one. And I know you're big on mindset too, Abe, because I've, I've seen it in your stuff and we've talked about it, but that mindset, getting the right mindset in place, um, thinking about things differently than you have before. And then, you know, training yourself to be more situationally aware, because it's not necessarily just a, a skill you have out of the gate, so to speak. Right. Um,
1: right. Yeah. We all, We all have intuition, but we don't always have the skills that we need to embrace what our intuition is telling
0: us. Right. Yeah. And and allowing yourself to listen to that intuition. You can't do that. And I think you mentioned this earlier. You can't do that when your face is stuck in your smartphone while you're crossing the street. Right. Right. Bad things happen when you're not paying attention to your surroundings. So, you know, understanding, finding out what the baseline is and looking for anomalies, but most of all, just paying attention and being aware, you know, those sorts of fundamental things we can all do and do a better job of long before things escalate to the physical, uh, if they even get to that point. You know, whether it's the bum, Mm -hmm. bum approaching you in the parking lot of the concert, you just came out, you know, asking you for the 50 cents for the bus ride home or whatever it is, you know, recognizing that you've got someone approaching you before they get right up in your personal space, because it sounds like you're like me, you know, you don't like people in your personal space, and you're very cognizant of it, and you don't let that happen. So. Being aware enough so they don't get the drop on you or have less of a chance of getting the drop on you. Those mm-hmm. sorts of skills, and
1: you know, you know, is is trying to keep danger distant is like the best thing we could do. I, I've been thinking about the scenario that you set up just a minute ago, and I think a good mental exercise for someone like you are—you're sitting in your chair, you're watching a movie, your family's on the couch, somebody comes in. Well, you know, how do you fight your way out of the chair? Think about that. Yeah. Then think about. Well, wait a minute. How do they get in the house? Well, they kick the door in. Well, how do I reinforce my door so they can't kick it in? Okay, that's step two. What made them choose my house in the first place? Let me go stand outside at night and see, oh, I don't have any lights on. This guy just like really walked up from the street unseen, had a running start at my front door. Well, maybe if I put a storm door on and I add some lighting, he'll move on to another house. And you and you just take that concentric circle from where you are in the middle and you just add a new layer and you add a new layer and you add a new layer. And that way, if somebody penetrates that outer layer, you're watching them yeah. and you try to make sure that they don't make it to the next layer. And that can be as simple as removing yourself from the environment. That could be as simple as looking them in the eye or it can be acknowledging that person like, hey, buddy, how are you doing? Like the bum who approaches you, you know, in the parking lot after the concert, like, hey, man, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good. You know, when they realize that, you know, they no longer have the upper hand, right. Things change. And that's just a way that you can keep them at a distance.
0: Yeah. You bring up a really great point that I hope people take away. So I'm going to go back and talk about it uh, uh, again. Um, you know, when we talk about scenarios, whatever they are, especially when you're in your home, whether alone or with your family, you know, Take that scenario and, to your point, work outwards in those rings, outwards to see, okay, why did that happen in the first place? Like, is there lights mm-hmm. on the outside of the house? Is my door locked? Whatever it is, is the alarm set when I'm home? That's one that people don't do. I'm guilty of that myself right. sometimes, right? Um And then saying, what about my routines or what is it about me or my family that we're doing that would have caused someone to be attracted to my house to begin with? And that goes even beyond the lighting and the security and the deadbolts and all that. That might be because we know that most home invasions are driven by someone knowing that there's drugs around the house or in the Mm -hmm. house. Or there's copious amounts of cash, which means they've been watching us. So what about our routine Mm -hmm. needs to change? And so to your point, working those rings outward, you can begin to see all the little things that you may need to dial in to begin making yourself safer. And I think that's really important, too, when you're working through those scenarios. Anything else you'd like to add? I think this has been a really good uh, talk. Yeah,
1: man, this has been fun. It's it's like it's it's great to sit down and talk with a like minded person and be able to share stories and ideas and get excited about that kind of stuff. Because most of the people I encounter are like the apathetic folks. Yeah. You know, I, I hate to say I feel like people who think like us, who have a secure mindset, are in the minority. Um in, in most people, if you're, you know, law enforcement or if you're military or you're a first responder, you, you know these things because you've seen them for the for the average civilian. It takes just a little bit more to kind of get into it. Yeah. Um, but no, man, this is this has been great. I appreciate what you're doing uh, and your instructor side of stuff. I appreciate that you're taking your own time, your own money and your own talent to do this self-initiative project. This is phenomenal, man. Keep up the good work.
0: Yeah, you do the same. I think what you're doing there with the Secure Dad is great. And hopefully uh, between us and others like us, folks continue to be brave, as you say, to come and seek out that information. and. They're able to through through this and other outlets, they're able to take away nuggets of information. I always say that. I don't know why that's stuck in my head, but nuggets of information to, (laughs) if nothing else, get them to think more like us and hopefully get smarter about their personal safety. So this has been great. And Andy, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, How can folks find you and get a hold of you?
1: Sure. Uh, you can find me at thesecuredad.com. You can pretty much go anywhere from there. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at username thesecuredad. And if you like Amazon, like I do, yep. go to the search bar and type in thesecuredad. And my book, Home Security to Secure Dad's Guide is right there for you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Landy, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Hey, man. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it.
0: Yep. I want to take a moment to once again thank our listeners for tuning in. There's a lot of, as Andy and I talked about in this particular podcast, there's a lot of choices out there in podcast land. Everything from comedy to uh, politics to psychology to whatever other things that you might be interested in. You had the option to uh, choose something else and you didn't. You opted to choose this, to listen in, to see what we had to say today. And hopefully this kind of sparked your interest in other topics of personal safety and taking responsibility for the personal safety and preparedness of yourself and your loved ones. And so we want to thank you for listening in again. If you like what you've heard here today, feel free to go back and listen to any of our other podcasts. I think you'll find some good subject matter out there that again, if you can take away a nugget of information or that that makes you think maybe like way you hadn't before or makes you start doing things you hadn't done before then we've done our job here and that's great if you like what you're hearing here go back and listen to others but most importantly tell your friends and family so they can listen in too and get that same information and we'd also like to ask you to take a moment to review and rate our podcast too we've gotten some good feedback to date but um, we would appreciate if you would review and rate us as well and let us know what you think Uh, You can also find us on Instagram and our our weekly post over there. So again, thank you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in the future.